Hello, everyone, and welcome to High Performance Pathways, episode number eight. I'm your host, Court Whitman. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Notecast app. Use the Notecast app to save snippets of podcasts as digital notes so you never forget all those thoughts, ideas, or aha moments that come from looking and listening to a podcast just like this, because I'm convinced there'll be something you can take away from this conversation today with my guest. You can download Notecast in the Apple Store or on Google Play. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider exploring more about me at courtwhitman.com. So, hey, for all our new listeners out there, High Performance Pathways is a purpose-built and specially selected collection of someone's experience as they discuss how they understand, discover, and chase high performance in their life. This content is collected during a one-on-one interview and then shared with you. Why? Because I believe everyone has a different path to high performance. And hearing about the past that other professionals have journeyed along is informative and it's inspiring. During each episode of High Performance Pathways, it is my intent to do five things for you. Number one, connect. Connect you to someone else to build relationships. Number two, question to understand. Number three, share to raise perspective. Number four, teach to increase competence. And number five, inspire. Inspire to trigger your growth. One additional note to cover as you continue listening here. This podcast, I'll tell you, it's raw. We've had people drop off. We've made mistakes, but the purpose behind it is to deliver you an authentic experience. And therefore, there's no post-production editing. We record live and we deliver it to you exactly as it was recorded. All right. Hey, my guest today is Erica Clark Alejo. As a mentor, a certified coach, and an educator, Erica has extensive experience working with adults in diverse populations. She does so by empowering people and affecting change in their lives. In addition, Erica is a strong entrepreneur. She's the president and founder of a multi-state area company called Thrive Epic, providing coaching, training, and speaking. In addition to her role as a coach, Erica holds national credentials as an American Sign Language Interpreter. She possesses a master's degree in adult education, and she serves as an adjunct instructor at Moraine Valley Community College. During the last 20 years, she's also owned and operated an interpreter agency called ASL Communication Services Incorporated and provides services for thousands of individuals in that capacity. Erica's pretty incredible, and she's traveled the United States extensively, visiting over 25 countries and even lived in Japan where she developed curriculum and taught English as a second language for prominent local business programs. The experiences that Erica's gained during her times inland and abroad have shaped her global perspectives, providing her a valuable insight into her very diverse clientele that she serves today. For all these reasons and more, Erica is a highly sought after educator, coach, and influencer who has what it takes to help her clients see change. So Erica, I'm just excited to have you here. I want to thank you so much for checking in with us today to share your perspectives on high performance. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Court, for having me. I'm super excited to get this podcast underway and just have a great conversation with you. Absolutely. And hey, girl, you were specially selected. This thing is purpose-built, and there's no one else we'd rather have with us and the listeners today to talk about high performance. And so, you know, I would love just to start with a discussion about your company, Thrive Epic. And I want to begin with something that I was moved by, right? It's this call out of your tagline, and I want to quote this here for our listeners. So, and this tagline is, again, helping people grow and step into their awesomeness, end quote. I mean, that, that fires me up, right? I mean, I think everyone wants to be awesome. So I just want to let you know how, how moving that was for me to kind of read that tagline to get a, just a small glimpse into some insight on how you serve. So what my question really is here for you, I'd love for you to share is, you know, what inspired you to found this company, Thrive Epic, your second company, by the way, um, and as you answer that, I'd love for you just to share uh, what your mission is with this company and how you serve others. Yeah, um, I'll say it's actually my third company. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, like just just out there doing it. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. So, what I why I was inspired to found. Uh, uh, Thrive Epic was more because when you when I talk to people and I just see how people operate, um, people are just going through the motions, right? They're just like, I'm just trying to get through, right, to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, whatever that time is. And um, oftentimes we're not necessarily the most fulfilled when we're operating in that space. We're not happy with most of the parts of our lives, right? And everybody's just saying that it's normal. And I have like air quotes going right now. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they say that it's okay to be unhappy sometimes. And I'm not gonna argue that, like, right? There's time and a place for it. Um, but in general, it shouldn't be like the status quo of your day. And so through, um, through coaching, really just helping people understand that there's so much more out that, so much more out there in life and that they really can be happy in most every aspect of their life, right? Which then creates more fulfillment and just overall like healthier well-being. Um, and I just, people, I guess you, I feel like we're just taught that it's okay. Like, you know, it's just like, well, this is a phase one day it'll be better. And it's just not, it, it can be better today. <laughs> and so my whole thing is, is I want to get out there and have people experience to be like, wait, I don't have to put up with some of the stuff I am, right? I can learn, I can grow, I can be better, I can do other things and I can create that that happiness, right? And so um, get different results out of life if I'm not happy with the results I'm getting. And so really, I just was very passionate about helping people step into that space. And I think really, it's not going, well, I'm going to do all of these other things and stuff. Sometimes it's just learning to embrace who you are, right? Which is, this is, this is my whole thing about growing and stepping into your awesomeness, because it's about like, right, fulfilling that space, being fulfilled, being happy, right? And knowing that how amazing you are as a person, and what you have to contribute to your life is is so awesome. So that's why I founded it. Um, our mission is to inspire people towards positive change in their life. Really just being like, you don't have to be stuck in the rut, right? There, there's something else out there and just helping people be more fulfilled. I, I feel like a more, if more people are more fulfilled and more happy and owning their awesomeness, that 
right? Greater things in, in this world will transpire. That's wonderful. I, I really enjoy um, this, this word you should use to inspire positive change, because I think when we say, you know, inspire positive change, at least for me, it, it has a much of a different feeling than just inspiring change. Um, so, you know, just wanted to share out that that really resonates with me uh, as you share that with me here. And then, you know, I, I really, in my mind, as I'm sitting here listening to, to what you're sharing, we use the word happiness a lot. You used it uh, a lot here. And you also use the word fulfillment. And, you know, I think that um, you're just me in my own work. Um, I, I, I certainly am, am trying to live a life where I'm happy, right? But I would say that um, there certainly are those times when that's a challenge, right? But I still can find a sense of fulfillment. And so I just want to offer that up, um, you know, from a perspective that I would share that I think, you know, as much as we want to be happy and, and we're looking for happiness, I think there are some times in which it just it doesn't happen. Like there's, there's a setback. There's something that we wanted to do that we failed to deliver on. And then, you know, there's an unhappiness that is present in my life, right? But I can still feel fulfilled um, in those moments. And so, you know, just, just sharing that. I don't know if, if that resonates with you at all, if you have anything else you want to comment on around that, Erica, but certainly opening that door if you have anything else you wanted to add. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And happiness doesn't right? That word does not resonate with everyone. Neither does the word awesomeness. I'm just going to say it, but I love it. So I use it. <laughs> um, but you know, like life is not, I guess when I think of happiness, it's not all about like, I'll say bubbles and glitter, <laughs> right? It's not all about the woo woo of happiness and it has to be this thing. And sometimes it is just fulfillment, right? And I won't even say just fulfillment because that sounds like I'm downgrading it, right? But sometimes it is fulfillment. And that is a, that is a, that is a place of, um, that is an individual's place of happiness and that's okay. Right. Setbacks sure. happen in life as well. And, and even when I, as, as a coach myself and I help people with this, I still struggle with it sometimes, right? There's things that come up in my life and I'm like, ah, I'm so frustrated, right? I'm so miserable in this moment, but knowing that, right, I can pivot forward and be like, okay, now what do I need to do, right? What's the next step? What do I need to do to move forward? What do I need to do, right? To leverage my strengths, to leverage my awesomeness, to put me through this experience, right? To get to the the other side and I think so sometimes a lot of it is about recognition of that and not it's you it's impossible to stay in a happy place 100% of the time right but when through awareness you can you can pivot a lot faster and not sit in those spaces that cause you um, you know I'll say negative discomfort because some discomfort's good <laughs> right but to, to cause some of that the places that you don't want to be Absolutely. And, and I think that's really powerful and provides uh, a lot of clarity around this idea of, hey, look, check it out. It's not always going to go that way. But understanding that when it doesn't, you actually have some control. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you. And it's helping people understand that if you do find yourself in, in a lesser than happy state, or you feel that fulfillment in life is degraded, what are you going to do about it, right? And, and that power that each of us own uh, to move forward in life because life's about choices, right? And, and what choices we make and the good ones, the bad ones, and how we learn from those as we move forward. So thanks so much for just giving us and the listeners some insight here to Thrive Epic and, and how that inspired 
you know, your work and, and, and the mission of the organization, because uh, I think it's incredible. And I'm so stoked to, to see you out there doing it and serving others. Um, I want to transition for a moment with the with conversation around really just what you're incredibly good at, right? And I got it even wrong up front. And I, hey, coordinate two companies. I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving the world. I've got, I've done three things with my life. And so I have a, a large following of folks here on this podcast of people that are either considering making a pivot out of working for someone uh, into a self-employed space, or I've got folks that are involved currently in building their own company as an entrepreneur, or even folks that are, that are just thinking about doing it. So Erica, with all of your experience, um, you know, do you have uh, a couple things you could share, maybe focal points or actions um, for someone considering a pivot to self-employment, a pivot to starting their own company uh, as you reflect on you know, your experience doing that? Yeah, totally. Um, I'll say that helping people with career change is kind of a hidden superpower of mine. <laughs> um, but uh, it's scary is the first thing that I'm going to say. And if you're experiencing some fear and you're just scared to do it, know that it's normal. Like, we all um, experience it, right? As business owners, just as individuals making big shifts, those are big transitions, right? To start your own business or to even, right, change careers. I'll just say that, right? But it's, it's, um, it's super scary. So how, I guess when you're looking at doing it or you're in the new process of it, how do you kind of lean into that fear, right? How do you embrace it and say, right, fear, I see you because you can't get rid of it. That's the thing. We think that it's like, I just don't want to be scared anymore. Well, it's like, there's things that are going to happen, right? It's just, it's a part of us. So how do you like, just sort of like, I want to equate it to like roll up your sleeves and get dirty, right? Like embrace it and just be like, okay, fear, I see you, right? I got my eye on you. I recognize that you're here so that you can overcome it, right? It takes away that power by, by naming it, by calling it out. Yeah. And I mean, if I could just, just mention what I'm hearing from you there is like, it's almost like analysis paralysis, right? And I think what you're saying is let's not be paralyzed here, right? Let's, Let's recognize it and let's use it in some way. So please yes. continue. Yes, for sure. I actually talk about that like um, a lot with my clients as well is, you know, not being succumbed to that, right? Really helping them take action and move forward. But some of the other things are um, kind of the other Yes, focal points I'll share or other ideas are um, just if you have a passion, follow it. There's always going to be haters out there, right? There's always going to be people out there who are just full of negativity. And the more you're doing stuff that's, um, I won't even say out of the box because entrepreneurship is not out of the box, but doing something that makes you fulfilled or happy and you're doing that, the more there's people, you're going to notice people around you that maybe aren't necessarily supportive of that. And at some point, like, right, sometimes you have to let some of those people go. Sometimes you have to embrace them in a different way, but you really have to follow your passion. And so if you, if, if you figure out what your drive is in that business and let that lead you, um, and then the third thing I'll, I'll add one other one is, is to build up that tribe around you of the people who do support you, right? Whether it's friends or family or coaches or, right, just other consultants or just what you need to support you in growing that business. Because 
Um, you know, entrepreneurship can be tough. It can be tough to get going, but when you have people around you that are right in that positive environment that are supporting you, right? One boat rises in the Harbor, we all rise. So, right. It's like, it's like build a tribe and rise together. I love it. Uh, incredible. And so I have a question that I want to follow up with and ask based upon what you shared, but I just want to just recount for a second and for folks listening, the incredible kind of insights you dropped there. And I had three main things that I heard from you. Well, actually four, if we talk about just recognition that, hey, it's scary, right? But join the club, right? And sometimes fear can really uh, empower us for movement. Um, so the three things I heard from you were, uh, were, were one, you know, follow that passion, Number two, once you've identified that passion, allow it to lead you, right? Number three, build a tribe of support. I think that this is really incredible uh, insights to offer. But I do have a question, right? Because I also um, do a lot of work with high-performing veterans and specifically competitive athletes as they leave sport and are in this point where, well, I've been passionate about playing football for my whole career, and that's how I've generated income for my family what the heck do I do next? I have no idea, right? So w what is my passion? It's been football for so long, or I've been a, a, you know, a Navy SEAL, and that's been my passion for so long, and now that time has come to a close, so what do I do next? And so, you know, for me, it's always, well, Court, I, I don't know what I'm passionate about, or maybe even, Court, I don't know what fulfillment looks like during this change period. And so I would just be curious, Erica, you know, in your experience, how do you help folks, you know, um, identify a passion? And let me just throw out there things that have been helpful for me, how I serve folks in search of the passion. It's, it's a return to core values. And, and in my opinion, that's, that's a great place for a foothold. So, you know, identifying what your core values are can be really helpful um, as you try to consider what am I passionate about? And then also it's just a reflection on, what am I really good at? And, and maybe finding the right language that caters more to your strengths and then use that to project you into whatever that next career field may be. So, so those are some things that, that, that I have found to be helpful because I too struggled when I retired from the Army. Well, what am I passionate about? And again, going back to this fear thing, for me, it was, you know, my, my answer was anything health, wellness, or sports related. That's my passion. Um, and so I just had to start something. Uh, I didn't have 100% confidence that what I started was, was the right thing. But at the same time, I think, you know, through, through trial and error a little bit, just starting also helps refine what that passion looks like. So, Erica, super long, right? But this is, this is really important to me. I think it's people are wanting to know, hey, look, I'm trying to figure out what I'm passionate about. Anything that resonates with you just along that theme? Yeah, all of it. I, you know, Court, you and I operate, I think, at the, that same wavelength sometimes because when we talk, I'm like, that, that, yes. So the whole time you couldn't hear the inside of my head, but that's what I was saying when you, when you were talking about things. <laughs> um, when, I, when I work with my clients, right, we, we always start with values because I want to know what's important to them, right? And I want them to understand what's important to them. And there's a whole thing with that, but it, it does. It, it, if you're not living your values and then a lot of times that passion doesn't line up, right? Like it's, 
because it's not what you're doing. <laughs> right. So I think sure. that they really do go hand in hand. And then um, like the other thing that you said is I just encourage people to really just try something because if you sit there and be like, well, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to do anything. Then nothing happens. Right. But by doing stuff and exploring stuff and trying to figure some of that out, right. Taking some of that action, you can figure out what you don't like <laughs> as well as things that you might like and that might interest you. And if you're doing the work and showing up as, you know, who you are, right? Showing up in your own awesomeness and every day, those things are going to come to light. Those things are naturally going to going to start manifesting themselves if you're living in alignment with who you really are. If you're trying to live a life of like, well, I'm, I think I have to be this person, so I'm going to try these things, right? That, that passion usually isn't found because you're not really being authentic. So I think just showing up authentically of who you are, just like you said, trial and error, just get out there and do some stuff and you'll, you know, some things will come out and figure out what your values are and how those line up. Man, right there. That's, that's the key. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. And, you know, just, I mean, really just, I, I think I'm moved here to just to drop a little bit of a challenge statement for anyone listening right now. I mean, you know, can you identify your core values? Right. And I would say, you know, you're not probably not looking for a list of 30. I don't know how Erica feels about this, but I would target, you know, three to five core values that significantly impact your decision making. And then when you find yourself in a point where your fulfillment is, is under where you want it to be, reflect on core values and whether or not they're, they're lived in those moments and how they can impact um, a, a different response, a positive response. In Erica's words, positive change. Right? Cause I think it's really important. And not only what are those three to five core values, but how do you define them? That is incredibly more important in my opinion. Oh, I value honesty. Right. Well then tell me what that means. So awesome. Thanks so yeah. much. Hey, let, let's continue here with a conversation about also another thing that I incredibly love, which is high performance, right? Good gracious. I mean, this is high performance pathways. And I think that everyone kind of tunes into this podcast to get some insights to how, how can I perform at a high level? So people are, are, are behind this. They identify with it. I think we're all chasing high performance in our life. It's just in different ways. So I'm really curious. Like I have a definition I hold for high performance and that is success and established results above uh, expectations over the long term. And so that's kind of how, how I have kind of identified it and, and I work with people around it. But it ain't about me, right? This is about you. And so I'm just curious, Erica, in your own words, um, how would you define high performance? Yeah. Can I go back and say one more thing about the values? Because I just was Absolutely. like dying to say it. And I was like, I was I was waiting, but I'm going to say this is that sometimes when people identify their values, they're like, they think about the things, how they're living. And I think you have to go back to really what your values are and honest and, and, and be honest with yourself of actually how much are you living your core values, right? Like, and yeah. those very, very different things. And that helps create some of that alignment as well. So I just wanted to, as you challenge people, I also want to challenge people to say that it might not be what you're living. <laughs> No, no, it's it's a great point. And like, ju just for some clarity, let me just share out my, my core values, because it might be helpful for someone to hear it. So the core values that significantly impact my life and my decision making are, I'm honest, I'm brave, I'm spiritual. So spirituality is a core value for me. I'm incredibly competitive. And I'm gritty. 
And those things are transparent and whether or not I'm, you know, watching a football game with my kids on the weekend, or if I'm in food line checking out from the grocery store, or if I'm at work, those things are part of me. Or if I'm involved with our, my, you know, my wife in a romantic relationship. And so that, that, that's when we're talking about for me, how I'm making meaning core values and, and then how those are defined. So maybe that provides a little bit of clarity um, around, you know, how I see those core values and how they could be very different from something like uh, money, right? Because you might not value money. You might value freedom and money provides the agility that you need to have freedom in your life. So thanks for that clarity, Erica. Um, anything else? No, that was it. Now I'm ready to talk about high performance and what it means. <laughs> Absolutely. Go girl. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I'll have to say for, a, I had to stop and think for a minute on what this meant. And I've been told over my lifetime that I'm a high performer and I'm like, I don't necessarily see it that way because I just do. So I, when, when this question was posed to me, I had to like step back for a moment and really think about it. And what I think for me, high performance means, which I do live, like this is me totally, is um, it's about learning, growing, aspiring, adapting, and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> so um, it's about getting out of your comfort zone and just doing it. Like whatever that is, like really just going for it over and over and over again. And through that experience, the things that I said, right, you learn from it, you're going to grow from it, you're going to continue to aspire, you're going to continue to adapt, and then you're going to learn some more and grow some more and aspire more and adapt more. And it's just like carving out your own way. Like, to me, that's high performance, right? Through through all those things, you're just carving your way and doing it. And to the best of your ability. I love it. And I think what's really different and how it, it kind of has some alignment with how I see things and this idea of, you know, success and established results above established norms over the long term. Um, you're opening this door that for you, high performance is, is ongoing, right? It, it never really stops. Um, as you shared this learning, growing, aspiring and adapting and then hey repeat so yeah. i love it uh really incredible um i think it's something that people can get behind so thank you so much for sharing that let's let's transition now um to an article i read uh that you did in april uh of last year titled the power of a don't do list right which i think is really interesting i find so much of my focus on what to do and not what not to do. So I just really dug into this thing and checked it out. So I'm just real curious, Erica, um, why? Why make a don't do list? Yeah. Um, at the time, I was really inspired by a video I had, I had seen about somebody who had had written a list that was a to don't, I guess we call it a to don't do list. <laughs> um, and so it's a uh, I think about the words like to do, it feels like obligation. It's kind of like the word should, right? Like to do is like, oh, I have to do this. Like it feels very, um, I'm a kind of a task oriented person. So it's okay for me in that way, but it feels very task oriented. Like, okay, I have to get this done and more out of like duty or responsibility or obligation. Um, and when I reframed it in my brain to write this list, I wrote to don't do. And I was just thinking about the things that I want to, 
not do anymore, right? As opposed to all the things I have to do. Because when I, I like have enough in my life to do, <laughs> adding more to it just doesn't feel good. But I was like, what are the things I want to change in my life? What are the things I don't want to do? And I just let myself go and be in that moment of experiencing all the things. And I came up with just an amazing list. There was like no judgment when I, you know, had put the list down. I was like, I'm just going to write anything. Um, and I'll share with you some things. I put things like, uh, don't try to do it alone. Don't, don't let me hold me back. Right. So as I'm writing this list, it just, all of these things came out. Don't lose faith. You know, don't be afraid to fail. Don't stop being you. So they're kind of motivational in a way. And then when I finished the list, I was just like, it was so powerful about the stuff that came out because I realized I was like, whoa, now I clearly see some of the things that have really been getting in my way, right? I see some of my values coming out of things that maybe I wasn't quite living some of those values, right? Like some of the things I value are family and some of the things that I wrote are, you know, like don't neglect my daughter as much. <laughs> um, and so it was just so powerful to see these things. I was like, holy cow. And it feels better to me to write a list like that than it, be, it does to come out and try to be like, okay, spend more time with my daughter, do this, do this. It becomes overwhelming. So when I see these other things, I was like, I am amazing. Like, Right. Like, and then I tell people flip your chart over and write all the opposites for each line. So instead of like, don't try to do it alone. It's now I encourage myself or sorry, um, ask others for help. Right. Or sure. don't let me hold me back. Or it would be like, um, I encourage myself and push me forward. Right. So it became more of like motivational statements as opposed to like a task list of more things that I needed to do. Incredible. Like I, I'm sitting here right now thinking about a, a freaking yellow post-it note that might be in my bathroom mirror or on the windshield of my car that now instead of has a to-do list, because I mean, let's be honest, I'm, I'm very goal-oriented and I'm hearing from you that you are as well. Like task lists kind of dominate your life. I think they dominate anybody that wants to perform at a high level because I think you know, in your words, you say inspiring as part of your definition for high performance, I would say ambition is synonymous with that. And to be ambitious, you got to have things you want to do, right? Yeah. So that means a, it means a lot to me in that moment. And then, but I also like this idea of things that you, that you shouldn't do. And so I just wrote some things down as I listened to you and, and I drifted off just for a moment, almost, uh, you know, uh, but, but it was really helpful to kind of try this. And so I'm, I'm not kidding here in the moment. Here's what I wrote. I'm sharing with you my don't do list. Number one, don't be stuck. Number two, don't settle. Number three, don't be an asshole. And number four, don't be scared. Right. And I think that's really interesting looking at these things because as I just read my, my don't do list that I just wrote down, it's kind of encouraging. It's kind of inspiring. It kind of gets me excited here. And so I'm just going to challenge anyone listening right now to, to spend some time today at some point, put together your don't do list, right? And see, and see how it helps you, see how it moves you, see how it, it, it creates a call to action and don't just crumple it up, right? Put it somewhere, reflect on it, maybe change it, you know, as your life changes, because it's certainly going to happen. So, Awesome. Anything else, Erica, that's moving you? 
No, I, I, can I challenge you for a moment? When you say um, things like don't be scared, what would be the opposite thing that you would now, like if we had a to-do, ah. right? Like what's the opposite of don't be scared if you were to flip your paper over? I love it. And, and here's what it is for me. It's have that conversation. Ooh. Right? Yeah. And because, I mean, I believe that there's really three conversations that we have in this world. There's the conversations with others, like me and you are having right now. There's the conversations that we have alone by ourselves in our own head, right? So that's the second conversation. The third conversation that exists in this world is the missing conversation. And that conversation doesn't happen in my life and, and, and a lot of times for the people that I serve because of fear, right? We're scared to have that conversation. But if we have that conversation with some clarity that's created, and then we can be a man or woman in action. And so there you go, right? Like, I, where, I don't, where, where the hell did yeah. that come from? I don't know, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, I, you know, I mean, uh, thank you for the challenge, right? Yeah. Because that's exactly what it means to me. And here's what's also incredible. It's tied to my core value of honesty. That's a core value for me. And so what happens in my life when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm scared to have a conversation, even though the, 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 the result of that conversation may cause pain, I have learned in my own life that not having that conversation is more painful because it's inconsistent with my core value of honesty. And that's even more degrading to my fulfillment in life. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. And me, I'll just, oh, go ahead. I'm done. Go. No, I was just going to say, and see, now you can see the power in it, right? It's hard to come up with things like have the conversation, right? But it was easy to come up with don't be scared. So it's easier to write those two don't do's and then work on flipping them around. Love it. Flip it. A don't do list, flip it, like Erica said, and then actually decide to do something. Be inspired. Awesome. All right, Erica, I want to transition here uh, for a moment to talk about another thing that's really important to my listeners because um, a lot of folks are, again, they're, they're chasing high performance and most of it is in their professional life. And I think people in some cases make meaning of, well, how do I grow in my responsibility? How do I be more effective in the workplace? And so I want to talk about management, right, and leadership. And before we go down this road, I want to differentiate the two for you and for folks listening, because I think that the word management and leadership is confused, in my opinion, a lot in the professional workplace. So let's start with a definition. My definition for management is simply the supervision of people and projects in order to accomplish tasks, missions, and assignments. That's management, right? For me, leadership is defined simply in the single word, influence. And all too often, I hear the people use the word leadership when I think they're actually um, describing it in conversation or in an article that I read, and I believe they're really talking management. Now, I believe in order to be a high-performing manager, you have to also effectively influence. So you have to be a leader right? But I have certainly had folks that managed me in my career, and there's likely folks that I've managed that would say, hey, Court, you know, you weren't a great leader. I did not 
and not deliver on effective positive influence in the time that we had together or people that managed me didn't deliver effective positive influence and therefore they certainly were someone I reported to that managed me but I didn't see them or hold them to be a leader so that being said I'm really curious you know one is there any alignment with you here on kind of how I share those two differences and then given that distinction between leadership and management because you've done a ton of that in your life you know are, are there any top habits that uh, you've discovered that are foundational to folks that are high performing managers yeah I love 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 your definition of leadership of being influenced because I think it's so powerful and people don't understand that we are leaders in our own lives, not only right leading other people, but just how you lead yourself too. So I just had to stop for a moment and recognize how powerful that is. Thanks. Yeah. Um, some of the habits that I've seen with um, high performing managers are they're really aware of their um, emotional intelligence um, stuff. So I know I'm sure your listeners know about it because you are like amazing. And when you talk about emotional intelligence and all of that stuff. Um, so I won't go in, into it too much, but like when people are in, were you going to say something? Oh, I heard it. I, actually, and I'm so sorry to step on here, but I, I don't know that I've ever talked about emotional intelligence to date. Um, oh. So if, if I, mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, right? But I mean, if you want to, <laughs> If you want to open the door to this, you certainly can. I mean, I, I actually think emotional intelligence in a way quite like leadership is sometimes really confused. Like people think we know what the heck it means, but I'm not sure that people really understand what it means. And I, I, I am aligned with you here that it's really important, especially for anyone that's in uh, a relationship, conscious relationship with someone else. And that could be romantically or that could be professionally in the workplace. Anyway, so just throwing that out there. If you want to go down that road, freaking open up the can girl and walk it out. Uh, but you don't have to. So I'm so sorry. I've disrupted your thought process. The first thing I've got is from you from, from high performing, uh, habits of high performing managers would be self-awareness and an emotional intelligence capacity. So Erica, please continue. Yeah, no, it's all good. I just, you need to share that with them because you're so, you have such a way of describing it. It's so amazing. Um, but basically just how you show up every day, right? How you show up for yourself, how you show up for other individuals, how you're able to deal with stress, right? And just all of that combined, right? Being very aware of that um, is so important right, for these high-performing managers. So that, that way, the more in tune they are with themselves, the more in tune they are, they know what they're giving off and what they're receiving from people and can manage those relationships a little bit better and the dynamics of those relationships. So I think about it as like um, some individuals have high levels of empathy, right, which is, is, um, is one of the areas of emotional intelligence, right? So you have if, if a manager is a high level of a high level of empathy, but maybe not even aware of it, what happens is right. Then they end up 
giving so much to other people, right? Leaning into so much to other people that there's, a, there's other things, right? The project, there's other individuals that might be sacrificed, right? To some, some detriment, but individuals that are operating at that high level, right? And are aware of some of that stuff can, can, can realize when, wait a minute, right? I know this is my tendency, right? But how do I balance this out for the good of the project, for the team, for the company, and for myself? Like, I think we always have to include ourselves in some of these things, right? And not just the external people or processes. Sure. Um, and then the other thing I would say is putting aside the ego um, is really important. And I think some of the those high-performing managers are really able to do that and to say that, right, it's about this team and the project and really keep that full scope, you know, underway. But it's also like keeping that, keeping the self in check, <laughs> um, which sure. still falls in line with really being in tune with you with who you are. Yeah, I love it. I mean, so I, th I think if I could just brief back, uh, you know, these two signature habits that you've shared with everybody that, that in your opinion and your experience makes and enables a manager to perform at a very high level, that would be, hey, w what's your level of self-awareness uh, in and around your emotional intelligence? And um, I did, uh, since you opened this door, I, I jumped in my computer real quick and, and I'm going to geek out on the folks listening because I grabbed the definition and this is a definition that, um, you know, I, I know that, that I actually am certified in emotional intelligence and it's actually where me and Erica met. We met on a course that was, that was getting us certified uh, to coach around and to help share how powerful emotional intelligence can be. And so for a moment, I just want to share out this definition um, and that is uh, emotional intelligence is, and I quote, a set of emotional and social skills that influence the way we perceive and express ourselves, comma, develop and maintain social relationships, comma, cope with challenges, comma, and use emotional information in an effective and meaningful way, right? And this definition is coming from a great book that me and Erica were both exposed to called The EQ Edge, written by Howard Book and Stephen Stein. Um, and, you know, just to kind of dip our toe into this idea of emotional intelligence, Erica introduced and talked about empathy. And empathy is one of 15 elements of emotional intelligence. And she kind of brought the fact up that, you know, going back to the self-awareness, you know, too much of a good thing, right, is a bad thing. And so if you're, I mean, and let's be frank, empathy is an incredible leadership strength, in my opinion, right? We want to be empathetic, but if it's to the neglect of being objective, right? And so if it's, if it's disregarding the facts in the situation, then we, we begin to degrade our ability to perform at a high level. So what does that mean? Like in my life, how do, how do I reflect back on this and look at things that I might not have done well? I can look back on my career when I was a manager and I had someone working for me. And I, I, did a, I did a good job of effectively articulating what success looked like. And we'll just use a very simple uh, metaphor here. So if, if, they, if the plan was to sell six cell phones every week, and week over week, this employee was coming and only selling three cell phones, but this employee was working their butt off and, and trying as hard as they could, I may in fact be overly empathetic and allow this underperformance to persist in the organization, which from an organizational standpoint degrades the ability of hitting the goal, which is uh, to deliver a certain amount of sales. And so my ability to, to be a high performing manager in that moment means I had to guard against my overuse of empathy 
and be objective and saying, hey, look, uh, we'll just call this person Jeff. Look, Jeff, man, I, you know, what, what can I do to help you be more effective here? You know, because we're getting to the point where week over week, there's underperformance and we may have to make a change here. And having that missing conversation is also something that needs to happen to be effective. And so just introducing, you know, a, a real example in my own life where I might not have done that well, I might have waited too long to have that hard conversation about what the actual objective goals are present. Because you need both, right, Erica? It's a continuum. And on the far right, we have objectivity in our decision making. and the far left, we have empathy in our decision making. So uh, anyway, jumped off the deep end on that one, but just wanted to share that out. And then the second thing you talked about was putting aside ego, um, which I think is really important. Um, in some cases, I think folks that have a really strong ego are incredibly um, ambitious, and we like that. But again, it's this continuum. When you're a jerk about it, or, you, or you're, you're not listening to, to the team, it, it degrades your ability to perform and to have influence. So Exactly. Hey, anything else that uh, showed up with you? No, no. I mean, you said it all. I like. All right. I'm so glad you were able to share it because you you have a way of being able to talk about it that's so wonderful. So <laughs> happy we were able to dig into it today. <laughs> all right, I love it. Um, all right. Uh, good gracious, I need to stop talking. I didn't know that. I'm aware of that. Uh, as a certified coach, Erica, right, which you are, and let me just talk about this for a minute. And, and you know, first of all, a anyone and everyone actually is a coach if we use the definition of coach of, of being kind of someone that's teaching someone to do something differently. Like if I've got a position coach on my football team when I was in college and he was teaching me how to tackle, there's a certain way that they do that to teach me how to and to coach me how to tackle effectively. But when we talk about Erica being a certified coach, we're actually talking about the coaching industry, right? And so she is a cr credentialed, certified professional coach. And if you have any curiosities on what that means, I'd just say jump onto her, her LinkedIn page. You can explore more about that. But so as a certified coach, Erica, right? As a teacher, which is legit, you're an adjunct professor and a founder of multiple organizations. I think it's pretty clear to me that you've been a member of a number of teams. So when you now talk about the team, as opposed to just the individual manager, are there any habits that you've seen that are really important to and foundational to high-performing teams? Oh, for sure. I would say the top one is communication. Um, and communication goes in how it's, how it's given and how it's received. So I like to talk a lot about that when I talk about my work or in general, it's, it's not always our perception of things. It's what we give off. It's what we take in. And so when teams can come together and have really good um, communication skills with each other, it's something so powerful. Um, and the other habit I'll say of high performing teams is respect for each other. So we come to the table, right, with so many different personalities in this world, right? I think what the MBTI says, there's like 16 different ones, but I think there's even more than that, right? It's just you, you, you're interacting with people who are not like you, who weren't raised like you, who don't have the same values as you, right? And, and have had all these different experiences in life. And so when they come to the table, they're showing up different than you. And so when teams can come together and respect individuals, enough that like I respect how you're contributing to this team and what you're contributing to this team and in the capacity you're doing it, right? Amazing things can happen for them because you start leveraging each other's strengths, 
right? Instead of just being like, this is what it has to be, or it's ruled this way. And everybody can bring a little bit of their strengths to the table. That is so powerful. Um, and the other thing I'll say is, is just um, sometimes you'll see teams who maybe um, struggle with that dynamic. And when you look at it, it might be as simple as like one person's an internal processor and the other one's an external processor. I'm very much an external process. I have to talk about everything. And then I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> right. But there's other people or there's people who can react really quick and other people take a, a, a little bit longer to do it. And when teams rally around that and can really own how everybody is showing up and allow those contributions to happen, there's so much power, which still all relates into communication. Freaking love it, right? So, <laughs> so Erica laying it down here for us, the, the most important things for teams to function at a high level, number one is to communicate and it, it exists in a way in which you give it and it, it's received and then having respect for one another. And she kind of parlayed this into saying that in order to really have that respect that you need to have for someone else, you have to deeply understand them. And I don't know that you use those words, but that's the meaning I made as you kind of frame that because I think you're saying that, that we all show up in different ways in the workplace and without a deep understanding of that person, you may be making meaning in their actions or behavior, which is actually wrong just because they're not you. Is that, right. Am I getting that right? Yeah, totally. All right. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us. I think it's really important. Um, all right. I want to I flip the script a little bit here. We're talking, it's almost like, you know, this do list and this don't do list. I want to actually talk a little about don't do. So I think that um, in some cases, I reflect back on, on bad habits of my own life. And, and when, when I'm deliberately thinking of those, I can then guard against those because those are things that may have prevented me from, from doing something well. And so, uh, and I always like to hear from others, right? So I'm curious, Erica, if you could for a moment just reflect, are there any bad habits, you know, or pitfalls that you have observed or fell victim to in your own life as an individual woman? moving through life that have degraded your ability uh, to perform at a high level? Yeah, there's, I would say I have a long list. <laughs> right? um, but, you know, right, through, through failure or through not doing, right, sometimes comes out great things or really big learning experiences. Um, so I guess the first one I would say maybe would be um, sometimes letting fear take over, right? I've noticed it with patterns in my life and sometimes fear can manifest itself by, as we talked about earlier, right? The paralysis by analysis. I know that on occasion I'll get stuck by just really like I have to research this. I have to do this. I have to do this. <laughs> right? And then sometimes things I was like, Oh, nothing's getting done because I'm so into this moment of like overanalyzing um, mm. is probably for me, one of the bigger things that I have um, personally. Um, I know that other individuals, sometimes the fear can come about in, in form of, um, like diversion techniques is the right word, right? But like all of a sudden they're you know, cleaning their house or it's like, oh no, I can't work on this because I have a million other things I need to do, but really that's not true. You know, like kind mm. of this false environment around you um, can be another one of, 
of letting that fear take over. And then um, sometimes just thinking that things have to be so perfect, right, causes us to not take action. And I know on occasion, um, I have that as well. And I've, you know, had to work really hard at saying, it's okay, like, it's done. And if it's not perfect, I'll change it later, or I'll continue to adjust it. And it's probably never going to be perfect, because there's not really such a thing. <laughs> you know, I'm really having to be more conscious about that dialogue I'm having with myself to, to overcome that. And I see it with a lot of people around me, right? I, I know that it's a very normal behavior. Um, but right, being able to recognize it and be like, okay, this is that moment, right? Am I going to let that fear succumb me? Or am I going to move past it? and keep pushing. And I do like to keep pushing <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> so, yeah. Wonderful. Um, good gracious. I think everyone behind these things. And so just, just rehashing here, uh, echoing back the, the two things that you really learned about things you got to guard against in your own life is say, Hey, don't let fear take over. And you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And when right. you can have an awareness around those, you can get out there and crush it. That's right. So thanks so much. Um, I think last question here I have for you that I'd love for you to share uh, really ties back to your work uh, with Thrive Epic and all the incredible clients that you've had to serve throughout your career. Um, you know, as I understand it, um, you certainly are coaching individuals and in a lot of cases, these individuals are part of a company or maybe you're working with a company holistically. Um, and I think, people are looking to find you to come help uh, so they can be awesome, right? And we're talking about here's performance, right? We're really talking about performance. And so, you know, I would really love to just understand from you, um, you know, what, what kind of bad habits or pitfalls have you observed that degrade kind of the performance of those organizations that are looking to be awesome that you come in and try to help with? Yeah. Um, some of the things that I see are right, organizations, I think, really fall apart when they start losing, losing their, their, um, how do I say it? Like they're, they're not focused on their mission, right? Or they're, or mm -hmm. things have changed, right? And they're not even realizing that maybe they're not focused on their mission so much and something else is driving them revenue or other things, right, are driving them aside from really what their core mission is. Um, and right, and a lot of that also ties into the values that we talk about earlier, right, throughout this whole time you and I have spoke today, we, we both of us are really um, strong believers about values. And so when an organization's values don't align up with with the actions that they're doing, right? That creates a little bit of an issue or a very big issue. <laughs> sure. um, and then sometimes when you look at the organizations of, as, as they're moving forward with their agenda, right? It's not an alignment. The people aren't in alignment necessarily with the goals or the mission or the values of the company, right? And so then there's some disconnect. There's some point of contention where teams or individuals in that organization are not happy because of things that are going on or because the culture that's created in that environment, right? And, and causing some derailment, whether it's a department or a whole organization. So... Um, those are kind of the things that I see when, when the high performing, when the high performing organizations can come together and really focus on their mission, focus on their values, they live them, they walk them, they talk them, and their people are really in alignment with it. 
right? That's where, that's where the shifts happen. And then that's where those high performers really excel. Love it. Uh, wonderful. Well said. Don't even need for me to freaking review that one because you did such a good job of, of communicating it out and then wrapping it up for folks. So I thanks Erica so much. I really appreciate um, this the time you've cut away uh, to share your insights uh, with our listeners. I think that there's some great knowledge that you dropped here for us uh, on today's episode. So I think it's a wrap, right? We can wrap this thing up. And what I do want to uh, surprise you with, right, is this idea of the high performance pathways breakdown. Um, and I don't know that you're familiar with this. Uh, I don't know that that people actually make it this far into the podcast because they kind of know, okay, Court, he's wrapping it up. All, all, all the guest kind of content is done. And so people are prioritizing their time. But this is really important to me. And it goes back to my time playing football and at the end of just a great practice, an incredible game, uh, an incredible experience like this was here with you today in conversation. I want to I break us out with some energy to get us, me and you and the listeners into their day. So here's how this goes, right? So um, there's something I'm asking you to do and it's called the breakdown. And how that goes is I'm going to give you a preparatory command, right? Going back, here's my time on the army coming through and a command of execution. And so the preparatory command would be breakdown and then the command of execution will be three. So I'll say breakdown on three and then the numbers one, two, three will be spoken. And then once you hear that number three, I'm asking you to execute three vigorous claps and the words boom, shaka, laka, right? And so note my demonstration. Breakdown on three, one, two, three. <laughs> boom, shaka, laka, right? And that just gets me excited. And so I would like you to consider doing that for us. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, let's and do it. Then, Although I'm sad our time is up because I love talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad too. Um, so, you know, and again, you can, you can add any kind of Erica Clark Alejo uh, specific uh, to the end of that if you, if you are moved to do so, right? But just that, that boom shakalaka and the three claps is the signature breakout for high performance pathways. So, hey girl, are you ready? I'm ready. Are any questions? No, I don't think so. <laughs> all right. I'm nervous now. <laughs> I know. That's okay. But that's what it's all about, right? None of this stuff is scripted. We're just coming at each other authentic here. And so, hey, breaking us out for episode eight, here is Erica Clark Alejo on High Performance Pathways with the breakdown. Erica, breakdown on three. One, two, three. Boom, shakalaka. Own your awesome people. You are amazing. Own it. I love it, Erica. Wonderful. Well said. Thank you so much, everybody. Get out there. Own your awesomeness, like Erica says. And if you want to connect with Erica, I encourage you to find her on LinkedIn at Erica Clark, A-C-C-C-P-C. -C -C, and that's Erica spelled A-R-I-K-A. Or explore her website at Thrive Epic. com. You can find this episode and more episodes of High Performance Pathways at courtwhitman.com or on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, and on iHeartRadio Podcast listed as High Performance Pathways. Now get out there, everybody, and chase high performance in your life. <laughs>